All right, guys, today's episode's a doozy. Abel, what did we talk about? <laughs> we talked about everything. everything. But remember, you're driving. You're driving. You ready? Because I love doing this to people. Here's what I got so far. You ready to sound like a genius, Abel? Because you are one. Ready? Yeah. We yeah. talked about, I got to get my notes, how being identity-based becomes dangerous, how to stop running on autopilot to your demise, how batching in seasons will make you more effective, is the content you consume created from someone you trust in person that's aligned in your morals or values, how messing up in public and making your fuel of yourself creates freedom, how big fancy words are not the secret to success, how to have a healthy relationship with success and keep your humanity, how to use your bigger promises with your future self to keep winning, how having an honest relationship with the creative process creates the best results, how imposter syndrome in your creative process will always poison the results and how to beat it, how to prime your nervous system to always perform your best, newsflash, businesses don't build themselves and you should love what you're doing, and how being backstage will give you the clear vision of what success looked like. And so don't forget that you're always driving. That's what I got. Boom. You win, George. It's not a game. We both win, but that's what we talked about, and that's what we unpacked from Abel's genius in today's episode. So stop laughing at this, and we're going to cue the intro. So go listen to the show. So much fun. So much fun. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms, and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Mind of George Show, the place where I think it belongs in a straight jacket, but if you're crazy enough to listen, that's why it's called The Mind of George Show, because you don't want a key to the inside, so I give you a glimpse, and today I have another guest that's going to give you a glimpse, and I... This is probably the easiest and hardest intro that I could do because of everybody that's on the podcast, I have known him the longest. I would say this inappropriately. We have carnal knowledge of each other and I'm on a deep level of life and health and journey and business and money and relationships and travel. We have been through it all and I don't even know what thread to pull, but he is a brain genius, a heart genius, a soul center genius, an explorer, a philosopher, a musician, a poet, a business guy, and pretty much the first guy that ever believed I was worth investing in. And this is one of my amazing friends who we rekindled, and I'm sure we're going to get into that today because I always love coming clean on the podcast. He's got a picture of his dog on the wall behind him that I happen to take, which is cool to see in the wall. And he is my good friend, an amazing human being, a man that I have watched single-handedly change the world, and he makes good music while doing it. So welcome to the show, Abel. George, love you, man. It, I'm so psyched to catch up. Let's do it. I love it. I love it. I always love I uh, my audience is going to get old of this, but I swear like my secret obsession is freestyle rap. Like I watch it all day. And yeah. I was like, I always wish I had a voice to sing and I can't. And number two <laughs> is I always wished I could be like Eminem and eight mile, which I can't. Right, and right. so instead I consume it all. And then I use the podcast to practice all day. And I was like, don't feed me anything. Don't ask me questions. Just let me go off the top. And so the intros are my favorite thing ever. They're my favorite thing ever. But if you ever need an MC for your event, let me know. Anything you do. Boom. You're rapping you your own way, George. 
I, I sure do. I sure do. And it's the secret to a healthy marriage. Lindsay says it the best. I'm glad that you get paid to talk so you listen when you come home. And I was like, <laughs> that's a good point. That's it. That's it's, a good point. it's really like work sets me up to win. I'm going to kick off like I do everything. And I'm really curious where you go with this. And I'm most excited to hear this from you. I've asked this question to many people that we know, Jim Quick, like Steve Sims. Like I've asked everybody. I'm excited about yours because I feel like you've had a massive modulation of a journey and has taken a few heroes journeys to get here in entrepreneurship and business and in life. And so you have full agency to take this wherever you take it. But when you look back, uh, whether it was when we met in Austin, when you left the corporate world, when you left the brain world and started doing what you were doing, like when you look back and reflect on how you got here today, what is the biggest mistake that you made in your journey and what was the lesson that you took from it? Yeah, that can go in so many different directions. But I think when it comes to mistakes, I tend to see them as as teachers and lessons more than anything else. A thousand percent. And I think the biggest mistake that anyone could make is being identity-based, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, And what I mean by that is over the course of time, George, that we've gone in different directions. And so for a while there, people were coming up and they're like, you're the musician. And it's like, yeah, I'm the musician at this party. Or, oh, you're here as the consultant. And it's like, yeah. And then it's, oh, you're the fitness guy, huh? And it's okay, yeah, I guess I'm the fitness guy too. But you let other people paint you into a corner mm-hmm. and that becomes very dangerous because people expect you to be one thing, which is only a fraction of yourself. And that can be true for your business as well. And so the biggest mistake that you can make is being in that corner and not realizing it and just staying there because there are so many different projects and and companies that we've worked on over the years that I'm very thankful to say, I'm grateful to say that we're not still there. Even if it was making a ton of money, even if, if it was from the outside looking in very successful, it's one of those things where I think we need to be full expressions of ourselves, not always in a public way, but we do need to practice that expression, be full human beings in a multidisciplinary way. And I think, George, you're a great example of that. And we also need to be okay with letting go of whatever past identities, successes, or whatever else they are, and, and moving on to something that is more relevant and more passion-inducing for your present self. Yeah, I I have 8 million things to answer or talk about on that. I'm going to pull one thread because like, when you say like willingness to let go, what I'm hearing is a stand in alignment to who you are, like to be authentically yeah. who you are. And I know for me and for everybody listening, this, Abel and I worked together when I was at Civilized Caveman. So we did Caveman Feast together. We did the app together. Abel did Fat Burning Chef. Abel did a TV show. Abel launched a supplement. He was like, we were both like reinventing. But I remember that one of the most pivotal moments was when I made that decision to let it go. And it wasn't easy. You watched from the outside. It took two years. I was hospitalized for depression and suicide. Like I was in the jungle. I separated from my wife. Like I'm like, what's going on? And hindsight being 2020, I look back. I was like, that business wasn't who I was anymore. And I was trying to fit myself into that box while sacrificing myself at that moment to do it. And it's funny, you said what you just said. I literally saw this yesterday. One of my mastermind students sent this to me yesterday. Have the courage to say no when something does not excite you. People can sense your capacity and power and may ask you for all sorts of things. Rather than say yes just because you think you should or because someone asked, ask yourself, am I excited and lit up by this thing? 
prioritize your satisfaction this week and tune into your gut to know if you're available for and what you're not for. And I love that. And so when you think about this, I would love to hear this. Like, how do you know? Like, you literally have been everywhere. And and I'll get into your story in a minute, but primetime television, which you didn't have necessarily the best experience of, to the consultant, to the musician, to the boom. Like, I've watched you. And from my side, you're like the Renaissance man, but I get that identity piece. How have you known? What's your North Star? What's your moral compass? What do you tune in and check into? Because I feel like for me, Abel, one of the biggest challenges is that I was in the pill bottle and I couldn't see in from the outside. So I didn't know what was happening. It just felt like inner turmoil. What was that like for you? Because I feel like you've experienced that and you've come through that and thrive through that more than anybody I know. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. I think one thing that people don't get, especially now, is space. And at some points, I have taken too much space from my friends, including you, George. But at the same time, that felt sometimes necessary to be a little more alone than felt comfortable was really important just to to realign with what am I doing here? (laughs) What? am I doing with my life? What am I doing with my time? Every single day, am I just running on autopilot? And if you don't have that space, then also you don't know who to be there for and when. If you're there for everybody all the time and you're always fulfilling their expectations, then also you forget who you are. And so it's important to take these steps back every once in a while. And that's what my wife and I, my wife, Allison, is great at that. And I do that as well on a regular basis, have for a long time, being from the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, I didn't have a choice growing up. (laughs) And now in Colorado, rural Colorado, we can tap out and just go into the woods sometimes, take a deep breath, focus on the birds or the silence. And that is something that, that many people are missing and it's worth it. It seems like it's too simple to work, but that's why it's so worth it. Dude, it's literally, ah. Two podcasts ago, I assigned everybody an exercise. You'll love this. And if you're listening to this, if you didn't do it, I'm just going to let the dude who has like over umpteen million downloads of his podcast and New York Times bestselling books and successful tell you to do it too. I told everybody that they had to practice boredom for an hour. Yes. They just had to sit and they had to, instead of being in every scene, watch the movie without relating to it, right? Oh, I'm feeling that. Oh, there that thought is. Or, oh, there's the bird. And I was like, moment to moment. Because we live in a world that preys on our dopamine and distraction and all of that stillness and relationship with self atrophies because we don't practice it. And I've found profound, like every day, 10 minutes a morning, and I try to do like an hour or two a day of literally just stillness, like boredom. And I mean, I have noticed, found some things, best ideas ever, like being bored as shit. And I followed this psychologist, and this is where I got it from. Like, I, my men's teachers have told me, but she's like, a children's greatest gift is boredom because boredom breeds creativity. It does. And then, like, my favorite musician who I just had on the podcast, Will Evans, I was like, he has a lyric in his song, is you got to pour out the cup before you fill it up. And I was like, but I lived in this life and in this world where it's, okay, I got a moment. I feel something in my body. I don't like it. I'm addicted to distraction, social news, consumption. I was like, and I'm taking it in. There's nowhere for it to go. And there's no space for my intuition to come from the inside. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. And I'm glad that you said it. I feel extremely validated right now. Just so everybody, I don't need to be validated. My ego does a little (laughs) bit, but I'm validated like in this moment. Excellent. Uh, no, it's one of those things that 
I force myself to do on a regular basis. It's one of the reasons I love running. Yeah. It's not because of the running or the pain that you sometimes go through or, or the challenge of yourself. All that's great, but really it's the space. Same thing with music. It's one of the reasons I love, I go deep into Like I wake up in the morning and I'll play an hour or two hours music. Sometimes I'm just running scale, something that would be like excruciating to my younger self. (laughs) My teenager, like I wouldn't want to play with a metronome. I wouldn't want to run scales, but now I wake up and I find freedom in that. I let go to that and I, I let it suck all of my consciousness in before I can check my email or my phone or get in that reactive state where you're just like, what's going wrong in the world? Let's find it over here. Ah, there's nothing wrong here. Let's find something wrong here. It's like going around and squashing all these things all day. doesn't make you feel very good and you don't feel like you, you got much done. But if you create that space for yourself, that's where our best projects have always come from. That's where my poetry book came from. It's like waking up, do nothing, then see what comes to you. Dude, I, I love that. And when you say music, you're playing music, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, Listening to music is super important too. Yeah, so I would love your thoughts on this. I'm the This is why I love being on here with you like my normal th- out the window. Here we go. Uh-huh. I'm like, "Yes." Here's this I just did a podcast on this as well where I talked about how people don't realize that they're setting themselves up to fail and silently poisoning their program. And I was like, "Think about you you get this more than anyway, physical exercise. Your brain is like something like 20% more neuroplasticity available to learn but yet we go to the gym and it's bitches and guns and my life sucks and it's boom and we're programming it and we leave and we're like i wonder why i'm still angry and so three years ago i cut out all music with lyrics it was a rule after costa rica some silence some ayahuasca like no music with lyrics and it was mind-blowing and then now like i'm very intentional satsang or shamanic music or ikaros or will evans or instrumentals or opera or anything And then my two favorite things now are movement and silence. And I will tell you, like, I have found the depths of my shadows just in a workout without having something to listen to when that rep gets hard or that muscle hurts or I'm like, I said I would do 10 and I only did eight. I can't write down 10. I have to write down eight. And like the integrity part of like all of that stuff is mind blowing. And I love that you talk about this space how do you go about you create a lot and i love that about you right what's your balance or kind of your mixture of i'm gonna have space to create or i'm gonna go consume what's your consumption cycle do you listen to music do you read books do you listen to other podcasts or do you try to protect that and then just try to create more yeah what a fascinating question because there are a lot of different things that we do and I'm bouncing around from one thing to another. But one, one thing I definitely make a habit of is I follow more of a weekly schedule than one that's daily because you just can't fit everything into the day. Batching things is really effective and also doing them on a seasonal basis. Growing up, I loved doing multiple sports. I was never great at any of them, but I loved playing basketball, baseball, soccer, running, ice hockey, and all these different things practicing different skills from season to season. And I'm always trying to create something, but it's, I want it not to come from me, if that makes sense. I want it to be free energy (laughs) that kind of appears to myself where I feel like I have nothing else makes sense to do but this. Mm. And, And I try to follow that feeling and that passion. Sometimes it's not there, honestly. Sometimes I'm not really doing anything. I'm more like trying to stay in fighting shape Mm-hmm. from a fitness perspective, from a, a music perspective. So I see all that as working on your craft and keeping your craft up. And with m- multiple crafts, you need to partition that in a way that makes sense. 
But instead of one taking away from the other, as long as you partition them, they enhance each other instead of taking away from each other. So like practicing scales and music to the point where I get tendonitis. Oh, thank God I've been doing a health podcast for 10 years and run marathons and got geeked out about tendonitis from a totally different direction, but they inform each other. So anyway, I guess the first part of the day, I try for that to be creative or productive. And sometimes it's creative going in an artistic expression direction. And it's really important for that not to be limited by money. But other times it's more like business things, which makes sense. It's like, oh, I've got to do this today. So usually I'll start off with the creative and practicing my craft stuff, like practicing music, doing a little bit of free writing. Also, I, spiritual readings are really important to me. The I Ching and a number of different texts on symbolism, symbology, and Native American mythology and all sorts of different things. It, it, I try to have at least one reading a day and my wife does as well. And we'll go through them together for a few minutes, read a little bit of, of some ancient master just to get a little bit of perspective. And that's important. So the first like third of the day maybe is I I try to make that where the time is untouchable. (laughs) And then the middle meat of the day, that third is usually productive work. That's going to advance business products that we or processes and we have to get that done in order to pay our bills generally speaking or stay above water and then the end of the day is more that's where the consumption comes in where i'm out of willpower for the most part but i do want to either spend virtual time with somebody like i i consider if you're watching someone's youtube video if you're watching this right now it's not exactly like hanging out with this with us, but it almost is. And so if you're watching someone for an hour or two hours, be very careful about who you're watching. So a lot of the people I tend to watch are literally like I watch my neighbor down the street who's a filmmaker who has a YouTube channel. Yes. And I watch a lot of my friends who are in the health space and then a lot of people in music. Some I don't know, but a lot of them I do. And most importantly, the people who I'm if I'm consuming their media or their books or even their music. I need to trust them as a person from a spiritual direction yes. to at least some extent, because if it's coming from a bad place, I don't want it to be involved in my life at all. I I will say you are like 16 minutes in and we have a lot to go. That one statement would have the most profound impact on everybody listening to this. And there is zero way to lose with that. That was one of the biggest things for me. Like I, and I still catch it. I'll be out there and I'm not on social much. Like I do DMS with my, with all my peeps, my team does the posting and things like that. But I'll be like, I'll jump into a DM and then I'll find myself in the explore page. I'm like, am I watching a crash video right now? Like, why am I consuming that energy? And then wondering why this pessimistic view or even that the come from and the intent that goes into this content that is so powerful. Cause I feel like in person, we're like, oh, yeah, oh, we're not going to stand around a group that gossips. We would never go to that thing. And I was like, but then right. we turn around online and we give it our attention and our energy and like that. And like when I'm on the show, I'm just like, everything I'm doing is programming my brain. Everything I'm doing is programming my brain. Like I do not want this program in my brain. Exactly. Oh, dude, exactly. that's so profound. So I'm going to go, hey, go ahead. You can go through life thinking that some things matter and other things don't. You can think that nothing matters. Or you can also think that everything matters. And... I tend to be the latter. I think that everything matters. And if that's true, especially once you start singing songs and writing them, you realize that they're all mantras, whether you like it or not. That's what it's doing to your brain. And that's where I come from the brain science perspective, because everything is a mantra. Everything is programming your brain. 
all day long, whether you realize it or not, your consciousness is aware of a tiny piece of how you're being programmed. So try to take a step back and be aware of what's influencing you. Be very careful of what you include in your media diet. So uh, in, the, in the media diet. Yeah. Yeah. I.e. I don't consume any traditional media. That's a good media diet. <laughs> exactly starting exactly. there so that's actually but even even alternative media george right like you can get sucked down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories of just on youtube the only stuff that wins is, is the stuff that's aggravating even if you're learning something it's making you mad or making you feel like you're missing out or making you feel like you're being abused in some way and then the next one's even more inflammatory and so be careful of that too, because sometimes the smaller people, it's not, it's that simple. You stay away from mainstream and everything's cool with the little guys. And no, some of them are, are also going to drag you down the wrong rabbit hole. <laughs> totally. And I think it really goes back to what you said about what's the intent of the person on the other side? Like what's their energy? What's their soul? What's their alignment? There's plenty that I come across that's pretty much like neutral. Oh, they did that. They said that on both sides. And I'm like, I don't go in any of that. Like I genuinely like I feel like I live in the Truman Show now since moving to the middle of nowhere because I don't watch the news. I don't have TV. I don't consume much. And I'm all here like happy-go-lucky. And then somebody calls me like, what's going on? Like, well, this, I'm like, oh, and I start to feel heavy. I'm like, I don't know any of that was going on. Okay, I'm, I'm where I belong. I'm going to go back out in nature now yeah. and like work on my sovereignty and be here in my house. But that actually brings me to a really important question that I want to ask because I, what I find so interesting is how you got here, like to where we are today and yeah i feel like i've only seen like a glimpse of abel and your parents are amazing and we grew up near each other which is really interesting we were an hour and a half away from each other and ended up here but what i would love to hear is i would love to hear the evolution of abel like i want to know and that sounds like a book by the way we should probably write that one <laughs> the evolution i know a good book marketing guy the evolution of abel like how you went from new hampshire to music to where you ended up, to then getting into paleo, to then the fat burning man, to then television, podcasting, cooking, supplementation, traveling the world with your dog, living out meditation, consciousness, soulfulness, music. Like I want to know in whatever grand detail, but I feel like everybody would love you. You make me seem boring and I love it. And I want to hear <laughs> how you got to hear in your version. Yeah, there have been a lot of zigs and zags, but maybe that's a good place to start. When I find that a lot of people are just zigging along, I've learned to zag because for a while there I was, I had some bad examples. I had my older brother got involved in drugs at a young age and was like, it was a public example to me of, of things going wrong pretty early, even before high school. And then after that and loving him and, and, and caring, having a lot of empathy and sympathy for all of that stuff, like having a strong negative example for what not to do helped me stay super straight edge for a while, all through high school, very well behaved type A, paying my own way. I, my best friend who I played basketball with, we were co-captains and different sports and just like best friends went to a private school for high school. And I'm like, oh no, like I can't, we can't afford that. We can't go there. And so I found out a way to just get all of these scholarships and work super, super hard in artistic endeavors, making sure my sports were on point and I was working hard there and my academics were definitely on point. So I could afford these scholarships. My mom was a huge example on that. She put herself, and my dad did too, but put herself through school 
and advanced degrees and all, all the rest of this stuff. And so I, I made that link that, okay, if you work really hard and you do your research and you apply for grants and you do all this stuff, then maybe you can get out of this dinky little town where you don't want to be pumping gas for the rest of, rest of your life. And so that was me. I didn't want, I didn't want to be stuck there for some reason in the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire. I, I wanted to feel like I got some somewhere. And so the straight edge thing worked. I graduated early from high school. Then I went to an Ivy League college, took on some debt and worked really hard there. Did an advanced accelerated degree there too. But then I'm stuck with this debt and I'm like, what do I do? By the way, I was not straight edge through college. So I started to color outside the lines, made a lot of great friends and also sacrificed that thing of being like the Lisa Simpson, or at least that aspect of me where you have to be perfect and everything's type and everything's on point. You always get the perfect grades. Like I, I, I gave that up at some point because I realized it didn't matter and it was much more important to connect with people on a real level. And so it was like a lot of my music groups in college, some of them bands, some of them vocal groups, where I experienced just like making a fool out of myself, either by messing up in a public way. I remember butchering a song at a memorial service, which was like the most mortifying moment of my life. And also making a fool of myself where the upperclassmen, this is in the days of hazing, but it was all good in my book. Like I, I enjoyed it. We hazed each other. He bleached his hair. I bleached mine. We went on tour in California and just caused the ruckus, had some horrible shows, had some great shows, but mostly we had these mortifying experiences together that bonded us. I'm sure in a, from an artistic direction, nothing like the military, but something like that, like as close as you can get from being in bands. When you're on the road together, even like the, the worst guy in your group, who everyone hates the most, your best friends after that tour, because you have each other's backs yeah. that this matters. And you're, you've gone through something together, especially something that's hairy. So that, that really mattered to me. And it put things in a context such that when I started my own businesses, I felt like I was starting a band. I felt like I was starting, and I still run everything from that direction where it's, I want a small team of role players in, in a good sense. I don't want the all-star team of all of the Lakers and just like all those celebs and that great stuff. I want the role players of the Celtics or like some of those other teams where everyone is just bought into what they do. It's a small nibble team. So if, if you want to all of a sudden install a new way of doing your business, you can do it like that. You can pursue that passion project with people who you care about and you can get through a bunch of this stuff together and you don't have to think about it from such a corporate dry type a lisa simpson type direction but i will say like i had to coach a lot of that stuff out of myself after going to an ivy league college i needed to relearn how to speak with fewer words <laughs> with smaller shorter words not with big stupid fancy ones that <laughs> tends to alienate people like what really matters is human connection and connection with something bigger than all of us, I think. And there are, there's a lot of education, a lot of conditioning in the corporate world, I'm sure in the military too, that hardens your humanity to the point that you feel like you don't have it anymore and you're just blind to it. And so I, I, that probably sounds pretty obtuse for entrepreneurs, but they're listening to your show anyway, George, so they're probably used to it. <laughs> I don't, but I, mean, I don't I, think, I, I think I don't it's think important it's a... to think of this more as a, think, think of this as a passion project, as a garage band, not as some dry corporate thing. 
Yeah. And that'll really help your your humanity. And Yeah, I don't think it's obtuse. I think it's loaded with nuggets of wisdom like underneath for sure. And the analogy and the story of versus the military, like spot on. And I don't compare because I was in the military. Anybody wasn't like I think shared experiences under duress create a yeah. level of intimacy, vulnerability and connection. And like you said, softens you back up into humanity right like it, it reminds right. you of the good in the world because in those moments whether you're in a fighting hole on a deployment or you're with somebody in one of the most embarrassing moments of your life and you feel like everybody's going to leave you and that person still sits next to you like you're reminded about humanity and this is going to sound a little bit crazy but i feel like one of the reasons i've been quote unquote successful as a human being is because of those experiences like those near-death experiences or really mortifying experiences or the ability to be like, this is really, truly, fully who I am and witness me and being willing to stand in that. And normally the people that are there with you get you like here. So that, I don't think it's obtuse at all. I think there's golden wisdom. And if you pick your path to getting uncomfortable, doing ice baths every day, like doing something, eat the frog, like it's sprinkled throughout everywhere. And it's like you said at the beginning of this, it's that the simplest stuff is the best medicine and even wrapping it full circle to the beginning of not living from identity, but living from alignment and like really being willing to do that because you learned a lesson in college that it didn't, I didn't learn until I was 35, like of, Oh, I can only be myself. Like you knew me when I wore masks left and right. And you loved me through it. You probably knew I was wearing a mask. I didn't, I was surviving. I was like, this is my trained trauma response to survive. Look like I'm, I'm Lisa Simpson with a different track record behind me. Like I got it all together. I have all the answers. I know how to do it. I'm the winner here. I'm the best here. Well, really never being it. And it's a really powerful thing. And also realizing at some point, this is the healthiest thing. Yeah. That people love you for your weaknesses and your mistakes not because you're great at something or great at everything. And that's so powerful because especially, and this happened to both of us, George, because we experienced success young. We were we were still puppies in our 20s and, and started getting taste of some legit success. And then people treat you differently. Yep. Or they want something from you or they'll put you on this pedestal, which actually degrades your humanity and reinforces whatever masks you have and makes you think that people only love you for what you've accomplished. And that actually leads to a mentally sick place that we all have to go through at some point. But what heals it is realizing that people love you for your weaknesses and failures even more than what you're great at. Yeah, dude. I <laughs> so for everybody listening to this, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this just because this is my podcast. So this is my couch with a therapist. Yeah, Abel and I did really well together. We broke the mold. I, and I even remember this is so cheesy, but I remember when you're like, dude, this paid traffic thing. We got to do this thing. Like now, like I live in Facebook ads, <laughs> right? Like eight years later, but we were like little kids. Yeah. And I remember I look back and I'm like, how did we even get there? Like I was so immature and so yeah. green. But yeah, like the, it was really interesting to go through that, to have my first entrepreneurial career become a multi-million dollar business to have my first book be a new york times bestseller to have our app hit number one like number four in the world and voted as the health app top health app i think it was 2015 that we made and the dissonance was insane because right i was like there's no way this happened no way like whatever like i i know you remember when my book came out like i struggled intently 
celebrating that book, especially with the toxic co-author and stuff like that. And then everybody starts treating you different. They're like, oh, here's this label. Here's this label. Here's this label. And that drove me into the hospital. Like basically what it was because it started finding every skeleton in my closet. And it wasn't when I was with people. It was when I was alone. And it was mm-hmm. like, what about? And then it was this massive measuring stick. And just so everybody listening to this understands, then that allowed me. And here's what I did: I started projecting. I was like, he did it to me, and she did it to me, and she did it to me. And it was a part of like my acceptance of my own shadows. And then I had to go through that work. And then I called Abel. I think it was like a year ago, maybe six months ago. That was only a year ago. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I made you bad and wrong and the bad guy and blah, and I only saw this and I have an unhealthy relationship with the masculine and I'm working through it. And now it's a gift. Now it's such a beautiful gift. But it really, as you say, it brings up so much. And I will say the one North Star that I've always had with you, though, is that you always see people. Like no matter what, I feel like you will always see people like you have this gift of humanity and heart and your parents are like that as well. And Allison is like that as well. And it's been absolutely beautiful to be witness to, to be a part of and and to have shared with me. And so publicly, thank you for being who you are. And and for those of you listening to this, it's going to sound really cheesy. I probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Abel because I was just a guy running from pain and trauma and death and destruction and trying to get everybody to like me and sacrificing myself. And he's like, hey, man, we can do something with this. And I was like, what's business? I don't know what business is. What do you mean? What are we doing? He's like, don't worry, I got you. I'm like, no, George, we're starting a band. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, let Jesus or Abel take the wheel. Thanks, Carrie Underwood. And I just sat back and he's, say this, record this, do this. And so then here we are. I was like, God, 10 years later, basically. Yeah, 10 years later. Oh, it's, uh... God, I think it's nine years now. And so, yeah, I just, I wanted to thank you. And, and I think what I love about this and for everybody listening and, and to have you here to have this conversation, if you're watching this on YouTube, it's you're with us. It's like one of those like red table talks. I'm like reflecting on like how we got here and all of those inputs required to get here and all of those lessons and the humanity. Like when I disappeared, when you disappeared, when you ended up in situations you didn't want to be in and then I didn't lean in and I was like, oh, I'm mad at him. And I was like, but I have no idea what he's going through, nor do I want to go through it. And then it's all of it. But I feel like what you said earlier is it's the willingness For me, what I found at this point in my life, because I feel like I'm 80 now, like I'm just ready to stare on my porch and look at my animals and tell you to get off my property. I'm good. It's the ability to continue to pursue it, like just to continually step forward and find humanity, find heart, find self-compassion, self-forgiveness, love, that nature, that that stillness, that practice. And that's what I love because if, if you told me three years ago, like we'd be recording a podcast together on my show. After everything on business market, I would be like, you're out of your fucking mind. Nope. No idea what you're talking about. No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and so I just love that and, and I appreciate it. And so, yeah, to close that really long loop, it's not obtuse. I think it's absolutely beautiful because what, and I'm going to full circle this before I ask you the next question. What you said at the beginning was so profound for me that even in this entrepreneurial journey, as I started to collect identities, I then started to use those to define myself, right? So it wasn't even that yeah. I let the world identify me. I started being like, I'm that author. I'm that guy. I did this. I made a million dollars. I helped that company scale. And then I started grabbing those identities to hide my humanity and protect my inside because I didn't want to be vulnerable with people. And so right. as all of it has come up, it's I'm just at this point now, I'm like, this is who the fuck I am. 
Like we're doing this podcast right now and you're going to laugh. But like I did one of these yesterday to pee so bad. I sat here and peed in a coffee cup under my desk. And I was like, I'm good. <laughs> Whatever. You're probably peeing right now. No, I'm good. Both hands are up and my cup is right here. Like I'm good. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, man. I've, I've recorded 400 podcasts and no one knows if I was wearing pants the whole time. That's the. It's a fact, man. It's a fact. But I just think it's so powerful. And thank you for saying that. And thank you for reminding me of, of that. The way that you speak about humanity is like inspiring to me. Like the way that you articulate things. And like I even wrote what you said about like the hardening of humanity and I feel like all the success I had and then I lost and then I got back again was because I had this unhealthy measuring stick and I was wrapping myself up into it and, and I was really just disconnecting from my soul. Like it was yeah. just another dopamine, another dollar, another coal, another sale. And it's been years, but I still reflect on it because I still feel like there's remnants of it where there's parts of my subconscious that are still programmed like that to where I have to become aware and practice a new behavior make a new neural pathway, do it when I don't want to do it. And so I just, I love that perspective, man. I just appreciate it. Yeah. At least what's there. So you can take that step back and then reevaluate on your best days. It'll always be there. We're programmed. Yeah. And, and so I have a question for you because you alluded to this earlier. And I think as like entrepreneurs, business owners, even as human beings, like you talked about earlier, your process of consumption, like how you do it. Like I create in the morning, these things here I consume later. But you also said something earlier about even when I don't want to, right? And I feel like in this, I would love to hear your thoughts on, I feel like as a musician and I don't know, but there's times where oh, I want to create, but you feel stuck and you don't know what oh, yeah. to do. Or you're like, I just can't, or I don't want to do it. Like how do you navigate that? Do you just stay committed and sit in the space and see what happens? Like you got two hours blocked and you'll sit for an hour and a half and then it comes in 30 minutes and your best stuff comes. Like how do you navigate that? Because I feel like where I am in my life now and a lot of people is I have this beautiful ability to choose what I do every day. But yeah. also if I don't have that guiding North Star, I don't want, I didn't want to go jump in the lake yesterday morning. It was 38 degrees. I was not yeah. feeling it. I was yeah. not feeling it yesterday. And I stood there and I swear a time capsule happened. I probably stood on the dock for 10 minutes. So it felt like a minute. And I was like, no, yeah. yes, no, yes. And I've taken literally right. probably thousands of ice baths, like thousands of them. And I'm just jumping in. And then I was like, no, <laughs> I took a breath and I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, Oh, I'm afraid of this and of this and of this and of this. I was like, all right, cool. When I jump in the water, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to let this go. I'm going to let go of fear and scarcity and boom. And then before I realized I was underwater, I don't even remember jumping. But it was like I had to make this really hard rule with myself. Like I'm not getting off the dock. Like I'm not getting off the dock. What's your yeah. relationship like with that resistance? And like how do you work through that? I told you before we started recording that – I'm recording like 12 of these interviews on my show and other people's shows, show intros and all this stuff in two days, which is like part of the course for me. That's how I usually do it. I'll batch it up and, and just abuse myself for a few days. It's like wait, waking up today. It's, I don't want to fucking do it. I don't want to wake up and then record eight hours straight of stuff that could come back and haunt me forever. I'm not I the only one I that feels like that. <laughs> I want to do something else, George. I yeah. want to be out there like going for a run or relax. But I know that there are bigger promises that I've made to myself yes. than how I feel in the morning. And also, I know that I feel like shit from a mental aspect, not right when I wake up, but at some point in the morning, because I'm doing frustrating things usually. Creating is frustrating when it's not working out. It's great when you write a song and it writes itself in 45 minutes. But <laughs> listen, that, if that happens once in your life, you're extremely lucky. That's not how it usually 
works. And it's interesting because you don't want to be practicing mistakes, but when I'm practicing music, I am making a hundred mistakes, maybe way more than that for hours straight. I'm just making mistakes. Same thing when I'm working out, but like I'll be focusing on my mistakes and it's, and that's frustrating. And then you start showing up to the piano or you start showing up to your guitar with all these expectations, mm. with this imposter syndrome, with people only loves me, love me because I played this song, or I played this mortifying gig on this guitar, I could never look at it again, or just I'm supposed to sound good every time, or because I'm a singer, I'm, I'm, my voice is supposed to be in tune and sound great with perfect distortion whenever I want to growl. And if it's not, then you're a failure and nobody loves you. So once again, we come full circle back to that. It's the same deal with your work, your keyboard, your, your computer with writing. But one thing I will share that I think is super important is to the extent that you can, when you're trying to create, do not have any editor mode on your brain. Put yourself in that creative mode, free writing or doodling or noodling on your instrument or whatever it is creating and do not assess it. Do not try to edit it. Just let it come straight out stream of consciousness and give yourself that freedom. Because once you start trying to put the brakes on as you're hitting the gas, that's where you get the writer's block. That's where you get into your own head. And so when in doubt, there are always things that you can come back to deadlifts and squats, like those <laughs> will always work. And so will practicing your scales, because like, the, the circle of fifths and the major keys and the minor keys will always be there. You've always got to keep your dexterity and you'll lose it if you don't keep the stuff up. And so I do a similar thing with music as a, a, and creating where it's similar to fitness. It's, you just have to show up. And then if you show up, it will get done. And you just have to know that you won't want to show up most yeah. days. Like most days that I really have to work, I just don't want to. Now, by the end of the day, I feel fucking great. I feel yep. fucking great. And then I can kick back for a month or two because I recorded 12 in a row. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, that's how it is. Oh, dude, I have so much from that alone. We could do a whole episode on this. But like, I remember there was something I had to do because you knew me when I was like chiseled out of rock. Like basically totally. my body. Like, Dude, George was shredded and could perform. Yeah. He could jump over me if he wanted. Yeah, to. and I'm working on the jump again, but Abel knew me when like the demons were inside of me, where it's You had some fuel. I had some like I had a gas tank that went to infinity. Like I invented right. renewable energy and it was skeletons in my <laughs> closet, okay? And so like I would work out then and then like really when I started working on myself cuz fitness for me back then was a drug. It was a distraction. It was a right. I don't want to feel, let me go work out. If I hurt my body more, I'll feel inside less. Like that was my whole True. mantra. And yeah. ugh, not really a good place to be from a soul-centered alignment. Oh, I'm a husband and a father and I love right. humanity. I hate myself. And when I started to heal, one of the things that I had to develop a healthy relationship with was myself. And a part of that process, I look back now, wasn't like I was like, oh, I'm going to go gain weight again so I can learn to love myself. But subconsciously, I feel like I needed it to heal the bulimia, the body image, the, the everything that came with it. And then I went to this point of two and a half years of no working out, nothing. And I got, when Lindsay was pregnant, I got heavy. Like I was back up to where I was in my fat days, like 2005. The difference was though, I wasn't beating myself up. I wasn't happy, but I was like, wow, this is a series of choices that didn't go well. Like I was like, cool, <laughs> not where I want to be. 
And then I had to deal with the frustration of like my own comparison to where I was and that imposter syndrome. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I remember being shredded and thinking I was fat. And I'm like, God, I would pay a million dollars to look like that again, (laughs) except I wouldn't. And so like I learned this extreme and then I had to modulate and then I had to start to make decisions about where I was that day. And I never forget. I was like, God, how is it so hard for me to go to the gym? Why is it so hard for me to start again? Like I used to do three a days for 12 years of my life. Why? And I realized that I never gave myself a chance to win because I just didn't show up to the field. And so this Mm -hmm. is going to sound really trivial to everybody, but my secret to getting back was I actually didn't say I was going to work out every day. I said, no matter what, five days a week, I had to drive to the parking lot of the gym. That was it. If I got there and I wanted to go home, I could turn around. Yeah. I'd say four out of the five times I stayed. There were a few times I went home. and But that momentum of just putting myself on the field, like in the position, and now as I've been consistent again, I just move every day. It might be the gym. It might be moving. Like I have this healthy relationship. And I was like, but it's in my calendar. Like I have a date with it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's been probably one of the biggest things. And so for everybody listening to this, like that also is like those emails that you don't want to write, leading that team meeting, like doing it. Because at the end of the day, like on the other side, I'll look at my, I'm sure you're like this with your podcast. There's days I come in, I'm like, how did I get 12 Zoom calls on my schedule today? Like, how am I going to hold space for 12 people at this level? (laughs) What are you talking about? And then, of course, I'll be like crying five minutes before. I don't want to do this. And they ask me a question and I'm like rocket fuel for the rest of the day. Yeah. Boom. You're off. Yeah. And it's that relationship with that resistance, like that edge that I love playing with and practicing without the extreme, but like really just being aware and relating to it. So I love that you said that because I just think it's so powerful. And uh, man, I love that. What's weird too is that it's the same as when I played a bunch of music shows, like mm. I would have a show every Wednesday and Friday. And I remember my girlfriend at the time, this is when I was in my early twenties. She's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and then I realized, I realized that every Wednesday something was wrong with me. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I feel fine, but, but I didn't make the connection that I had a show to play that night. But I realized my whole day was trashed. Like I was distracted. I wasn't necessarily present. I was just already worrying about what I had to do because it's freaky, like performing in front of, even if it's a few dozen people, but certainly hundreds and then thousands and then hundreds of thousands, like that's freaky. And what I realized is that I couldn't just cancel my own show. (laughs) That's not something that you can really do and then have it work out on a regular basis. Like every once in a while, yeah, cancel your show, but on a regular basis, you've got to show up. And so you have to make that link between not wanting to do it being distracted, being anxious about how it's going to go, and then realizing that that's going to happen every time. At least you're not like some people are throwing up in the bathroom before every speech. At least I feel like I got that out of my system. when, Thankfully, I was like even before puberty when I was yeah. like wearing a bow tie playing clarinet at diners. Like I got that out of my system. <laughs> but but it's OK because it'll all like the best basketball players in the world, the best competitors are still barfing yeah. in the bathroom before the big game. That's fine. It's always going to be there for most people, I think. Yeah, I have a question about that. And I, and I would just love your... So for me, and I would just love to hear if this is the same for you, because I feel... I, I'm so glad that we're friends, but I feel so validated right now because I don't talk about like how my calendar scares me sometimes or that like yeah. in the moment when I'm doing it, I feel like I can serve. But then when I'm out of it, I feel like I overcommitted and I'm setting myself up to fail for evidence collection. Like, like I think right. what I love about 
podcasting and talking about this in general is like the normalcy of it. Like, I feel like people don't talk about the par- the game the- all the way. They're like, oh, we hit a touchdown. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I fumbled 140 times this week. Like seriously, yeah. I'm just glad I picked it up 141 and I got into the end zone because I did not right. think I did not think it was coming. But this is what I found that's been really interesting. This is a practice that one of my teachers taught me. But I have found now that I can mitigate that about 99% of the time by getting back into my body. And yeah, I and it, it's so nuts. But if you're watching this on video, it's fine. But I will literally stand here and I will start doing awareness. Like I'll just start bouncing. And I'm like, my legs, my feet, my ankles, my calves, my butt, my legs, like up through my body while breathing. Dude, four minutes, five minutes, and I am like superhero. I'm like, all right, the cape is off. Clark Kent is gone. Like, I'm ready to go. Is that, do you have anything like that as well? Yeah, totally. That And that's what like everyone doing before the big game is they're all just like bouncing, getting their nervous system ready. And so that is one big thing that I learned is if you don't warm up, and, and I'll just call it warming up. Yeah. But something like priming your nervous system where you're like getting ready into that performance state from the just maybe I'll have a coffee or I'll go over. You have to like you have to get out of that state and go into the performance state. And I think it is about hyping your nervous system and getting it ready to fire. And that's what I realized, too, with my voice. I'm like, oh, I'm singing like shit today. <laughs> I can't even sing the songs that I sing all the time. What the fuck is the matter with me? And I was like, oh, I didn't warm up. So I'm not in that mode yet. I'm not there. You And you can't critique your behavior uh, if you're not in that performance mode, or at least for your own sanity, you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. And so oh. what were you going to say? I was going to say you went to warm up and I went to cool down because I was yeah. like, yes, but then like I got to tie this all the way because I'm the king of open loops here. I got to tie it all the way back to space in the beginning. I'd say the inverse of the performance, once I did the prep, to come perform as entrepreneur, the meeting, the consulting, the boom, it was great. But then I would never leave space to come back down from the performance. I wouldn't have gaps between calls or I would do back-to-back consulting or like next week I have seven days of events back-to-back, but I also have a week off after. Like where like Lindsay is go away, go into the mountains, go into the lake, go because I'm going to be holding space for hundreds of entrepreneurs, like their fears, their shame, like their insecurities, then the all of it and it's going to be in but that post as well and like in that do you do that as well like you create music i feel as a creator which i guess i'm a creator i feel like one of the reasons that i wasn't able to have a healthy relationship with creation was because i didn't leave any space on the other side of the creation yeah yeah and even if you're playing like for a while i was playing too many shows Mm. to write music And that happens to a lot of people where you're like, all of a sudden you're doing this thing instead of that thing. And you got there because someone else chose or circumstances chose, or that was the momentum that you're following. It's really important once again, to be like, oh, what do I want to do again? Do I want to advance my career by doing more podcasts and doing five a week and risk burning myself out? Or do I want to focus over here? And for everyone, that's going to be a different answer to your question. And even for yourself at different points in your life, like I've taken a year off from this podcast and even from the internet a couple of times, like yeah. at the height of our success, I've done that, <laughs> which is like every everyone is so befuddled usually. But I experienced the same thing when I was working in consulting and they're like, you're going to be a VP by 26 or whatever and all this stuff. You're crazy to ever leave this job. And it's just, nope, I'm officially broke now. I have no money, but I paid off my loans. 
I bought this old Mercedes diesel for two grand and drove it across the country and hung out with friends and explored places that I'd never seen before, happily broke like for the first time in my life because I didn't owe anyone anything, or at least that's what it felt like. And that is somewhere where that space is earned. It's really hard to get there. It takes a lot of work, especially if you're older with more responsibilities in your life. It, it, it's You have to earn it, but you can't just say, look at that person over there, like living the dream life by Glacier National Park or just like living out in national parks and stuff. You can't say, look at over there. They did it. I'll never get there. Life is so great for them. That must be nice to wake up with these. No, like you could get there too, but it's going to take a lot of work and a lot of prioritizing your own life if that's where you want to be. And so I, I think the more we're in our 30s now, George, and we met when we were in our mid 20s and i just feel like it's a totally different situation that we're in now both of us but it's a better one it's a better one because you can start prioritizing the things that you really like to do with your life and with your business as well one thing that's incredibly important to me that i've realized a couple of times is that you don't want to be like making a bunch of money and not working or at least i don't mm -mm. i've done that a couple of times and number one, it does not work out generally from a business perspective. I know there are people out there who are just like, hey, build this business and then kick your feet up and watch the millions come in. But that is not how it works in my experience. <laughs> so number one, that's not a good business decision usually. Number two, it's just something where having, having the ability to once again make that space for the things that you really want to prioritize means that you can do whatever you want to do. So going back to your earlier question, George, like the, the evolution of Abel, I remember watching this dumb TV show in the nineties that was called like the pretender or something. I remember. And I think it was canceled immediately, but it, there were a couple of episodes where it's like, Oh, this guy, he's just like probably in his thirties or something. And one day he's a race car driver. Yep. And then the other day he's just like doing surgeries in the middle of the ER. And then the other day he's flying a jet. And it's like, man, that would be really fucking cool to grow up. And then every couple of weeks, you just do a completely different job and then get to see life from all these different perspectives and hopefully have those things cross pollinate each other. And George, I think you're such an amazing example of that. You have built so many different skills through these different obsessions and passions. And that's one of the ways one of the reasons we jive so well is because we can see that in each other and it's game sees game you respect yeah. that right <laughs> yeah you want to know what's sad is that show the pretender lasted for four seasons no it didn't i googled you it. know that show? Not 96 to 2000 <laughs> i haven't even thought of that show dude like, i watched that show yeah. i was like what no this way. is like a massive scam corner artist. somebody's gonna get hurt like i remember yeah. oh it's a terrible idea oh but yeah just like the little kid in me is wow wouldn't that be cool if you grow up yeah, and you can he do was anything doing like brain surgery there's a lawyer one day i'm like he must <laughs> yeah. have stayed at a holiday and express one night that's what he did <laughs> just to tie it into but marketing. you know what it's important to it's important to be backstage too like one of the things that people assume about once you you get big or you become influential or you become successful is that you want everything to be super fancy and, and covered in gold and for me the best moments were really backstage once again it's those moments that you share that are hard with other people that really matter not the money once you have enough money doesn't matter at least it doesn't for me it's not the game that i'm playing staying above water is one thing being an entrepreneur you gotta worry about cash flow 
you got to worry about future cash flow all the time, especially if you have a team. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. It, it's important to have creative projects where you don't try to squeeze money out of them. And you recognize them for that. And that's okay. And a lot of times that's what music is for me. That doesn't mean that it's a hobby, though. You can still take it really seriously, even if you're not squeezing money out of it. That's what a craft is. Most people who practice a craft of some kind aren't rewarded until after they die. Mm-hmm. So that's not why you do it anyway. But then in the business sphere, you got to get to work and do the things that matter to your business and not obsess yourself with the things that don't. And you can't try to match other people tit for tat because it just doesn't work that way. And it, it never will. And other people looking in are always idealizing for the most part, whatever you're doing. And they think you're more successful than, than you are. You're happier than you are, or your life is more seamless or figured out than you are. And, and I've experienced this. I'm not talking from my own, I, I guess, some of my personal experience, but meeting other people who have achieved this over life. It's, no, it's the ones who maintain their humanity and their ability to hang out backstage with the guys who are broke. And have always been broke and hang with them on a human level, like a dirty jobs level mm-hmm. where <laughs> you realize you never get out of that. Like the most fun I'll ever have is eating dehydrated bean burritos out in the woods on a camping trip. Like I don't want to be on a yacht. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Oh man. If every, like talk about like remaining humanity, like with life's lesson, having it together, I feel like we could have a camera crew following my reality show. I thought <laughs> I had my life together. Now I have kids. Oh man. My life Boom. looks straight out of a sitcom. Like I couldn't, if I tell people like what my mornings are like with a four-year-old boy going on 16, I, they're like, no way. I'm like, no, seriously. Like that's what happened. Nope. That's what he said. That's what we did. Nope. We did that. <laughs> yes. Driving to school yesterday, we moved. We couldn't find his socks. I found one sock under one seat, one under another seat in the car on the way mismatching. And oh, that's what he God. wore. And I felt like a guilty parent. Cause I don't remember where I packed his socks. Yeah. That happens like all the time. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I love it. And the one thread I'll pull, I'm going to do some rapid fire questions. But the one thing you said earlier about living in the national parks and like looking over there and having like jealousy or, oh, I could never have that or whatever. And it goes all the way back to the opening part of this, which is the identity thing. It's one of the reasons that I didn't have that life was because I was holding on to an identity that wouldn't allow me to create it. And right. I wasn't willing to let go of that identity yet to have the life I wanted. A lot of people don't know this. Like we live in Montana now. I had never been to Montana until the day we drove in. That's so crazy. Like for anybody who knows me, like control and safety and all this stuff is a big thing. My wife and daughter come and I was like, I trust you. And I'm like road tripping in through Sam and Idaho come over. And I was like, I'm home. Well, this is interesting. Okay. I think I like this. This is good. And it was like, but it was like a reinvention of self. Like I left George in California. Like I left yeah. the George as I knew him in California. Whether you study consciousness or many worlds theories, that instance is in California because there's a new one here. But I'm also happy that I've ever been because I was willing to trim that identity and like literally leave it back there and be like, I am who I am no matter where I am. But like now it's about my life and being in a space that supports my family and myself. And so... I love that. Like to full circle it all the way an hour later. Like, I just love that answer. Yeah. Yeah. And and you choose it, but it takes a lot of risk. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of people calling you crazy (laughs) over and over again. And then you realizing that it's worth it. Even if you are crazy, it's worth it. Yeah. And then my journey was just accepting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) 
I I am like that's one of my superpowers. Like that, I feel like a lot of us are like willing. Like a- Alex Sharpen, one of our dear friends. He's yeah. we are. We're the ones that are willing to go out and decide what the future looks like and come back and start building it. Like we are totally. crazy. And I was like, I love that about us. Like we're willing to drive into the darkness and into the unknown, knowing we can light it up and we trust our intuition to go there. Like that. I don't know. I just feel like that's what it is. Do it with an open heart, an open mind, like clear vision and make sure you bring everybody with you. That's the way to play this game. And if you're bringing your true self to your work, then it's an act of service. I think it's something, one of the reasons I do what I don't want to do repeatedly, which is making my show and writing books and all this other stuff is because I do hope that it's helping people. And the imposter in me says, ugh, it's not helping anyone. This is just an ego-driven behavior or something like that. On a regular basis, I hear, and, and you do as well, George, you get the emails and you get the messages from real people who are like, this fucking changed my life. Yeah. And that's what keeps me doing it because it's, at some point in life, you realize that it actually is easy to make money if you're willing to compromise on ethics. And that's how most people make money, unfortunately. Yeah. But- if you're not willing to make that compromise, then those business decisions and opportunities never really appear or materialize to you. You go a different route. And even if it's harder, it's making you sharper is the way how that's how I feel. Even if it's not sharper physically or mentally, it's spiritually, it's going to sharpen you up because you're doing this out of a true belief that you can make the world better and that you're doing it from a real place that's grounded in who you are and also hopefully going where you want to go. Yeah, dude, I, that's a good one because I think I agree. And thank you for being one of the ones who stays aligned and playing the long game with a lot of us. I I think the secret to not sacrificing ethics is maintaining them. But then the secret is consistency and congruency. Yeah. It's just over a longer spread. Yeah, just showing you. (laughs) Like that's that's really what it is. Like and I I, I don't know. I literally like this podcast is seriously like a key into my brain. Like I don't celebrate my wins enough. Still to this day, like where I am teaching it, doing it, like one of my biggest shadows is not celebrating my wins because I sometimes I I don't like the feeling of letting them in and having it be there. And as Stefano says, yeah, that's called joy, bro. Enjoy it. And now (laughs) I'm having this relationship with joy because even a couple weeks ago, like I probably had the most challenging two weeks in my life, like a couple weeks ago, lost a lawsuit. We have this, we have lawyers involved with this and custody and boom. And I'm like, and I was like, I feel guilty because I'm so happy. And he's like, oh, it's called joy. Yeah. And I was like, what? And yeah. then I would find myself trying to find ways to diminish the happiness. And I was like, no. And so here's what I'm doing now. Like you say this, I love this podcast. I love doing this. I was like, what's the most uncomfortable thing I can do? I'm like, I'm going to read reviews on the show every week because it makes me uncomfortable. I've done it now. Like every Monday episode, I'm reading reviews as they come in on the show. And I'm like holding back tears. And I'm like, nobody can even like really see me and they're listening. And if you're listening, you're laughing. I'm like got my legs crossed. I'm like squirming as I read it. It's like I got complimented by the cute girl for the first time. Like my wife like (laughs) it on me. I'm like, I don't know what to do. That's great. I love it, man. I I think it's so good. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go rapid fire for you real quick. What is your absolute favorite food? Lately, it's sourdough pizza. Ooh, like homemade sourdough? Ideally, but we actually found one that's frozen. That's pretty good too, which blew my mind. That's legit. That's legit. I I will say we put our own toppings on it mostly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which yeah. is an important part. And then of course, like I'm mm-hmm. big into spices. So like having a few of those that are solid, like really good oregano. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. You've always been 
into food like that. My buddy Jeff, who is a partner at Soul CBD, he lives in Colorado. He bakes his own homemade sourdough and ships me like two loaves like every two weeks. Oh my God, that's what I'm talking about. So his his current one is jalapeno cheddar. And so he hits me up in the mail, bro. And every, I gotta get in on that. Every morning, man, I'm like jalapeno cheddar, freshly sliced. I'm like some <laughs> grass-fed butter and I am like happy. I'm like, that's in oh my, my macros. God. I got it. I got it. Okay. That's awesome. Mountains or beach? Mountains. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't know Abel, like I watch some travelers like in Tennessee and mountains. Like I figured you were a mountain guy. Absolute favorite book that you've ever read. I think it's going to be Wabi Sabi, which mm. is talk about obtuse. But I saw you post you about up, that. What's that? I think you told me about that at some point. I, I probably did because it's basically about the beauty of uh degradation the beauty of things falling apart the toll that time takes so like the rust on old cars and like the gross moldy parts at the end of the house and just like the it, it comes from pottery it came from my art teacher in high school but basically you love things for their weaknesses is yeah. a lesson that comes from that it doesn't say that directly but that's the idea I love it. I, I always forget like uh, what culture, I think it's Japanese culture where they repair the pottery with the gold. Like I forgot what that's called, but I like love yeah. that. That's yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. It gets deep over there. That reminds me of a thought like uh, the anti-fragile effect the book. I've had to go through that a few times because there really yeah. isn't anything on the opposing and it like messes with my brain. I still am not smart enough to understand it. Like full disclosure. <laughs> I'm like, can I have the picture version? Can I just have the picture version? Can you break this down for me? But I actually understood quantum mechanics and like many worlds theories faster than I understood this like anti-fragile effect, but it reminds me of that. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. And then what are you currently reading? Oh my God. So when I do 12, like interviews not all of them are on my show but yeah. basically i have a stack of books and uh, so i just read rob wolf's new book sacred cow excellent book really great read mark sisson's new book a, a stack of other ones that are in the health category but i like to read a lot of books in music and then one that's not out yet but i think he's a mutual friend of ours dr steven eisenberg oh yeah he just emailed me yep yeah, yeah. Beautiful man. And I'm just reading his new book that's out, I think, in a month or two. And I'll have to have him on the show. One, the Singing Cancer yeah, Doctor. I'm talking to him tomorrow. Oh, yeah, is he's it, a, tell, him, he's tell him I said hi. Cancer Doctor and just the best. Like he sings to his to his patients and his friends. And he's just the most like joyous, loving guy. And you can see that showing up in his book. So I love reading books that you know, like my friends or people who I know have read. Like that's, it's such a privilege doing the work that we do being in that sphere. But I, I just... I really love seeing some of my friends write things that are so meaningful and such great work in the world. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, tell him I said hi. I'll have to – he emailed me. I got to email will. him back. I was, I saw that coming out. I didn't even realize Mark and Rob had books. Like, I'm like, dude, I'm I know, so right? unplugged now. It's a lot to keep up with. I'm like, and I'm like so out of the health space now where you're like still in it. Like, I'm like gone. Everyone's right, like, what? Right. Like I fell off the map, which was a good thing, <laughs> which was a good thing. I have one last question, but before we get there, where is the best place for people to find more of the life of Abel? Yeah. So if you're interested in the health stuff, go to fatburningman.com or just look up fat burning man. My name's Abel James. And then if you're interested in the more like artsy stuff and music and VR tours and all of that wacky stuff, it's Abel James, A-B-E James.com. We have a new, we're doing monthly challenges too. If, if you're into self quantification and self-improvement meal planning and all of that, we have a lot of new kind of cool 
resources there. And if you, new wild- yeah, if you, if you want a time capsule, go back to his show and listen. I think we did three or four episodes on a show like back in the day. They make me up every time. Yeah, they were really good. Like, I don't ever watch my own interviews. Like, I, I can do it now, but I like, look, I'll pull up, I'll Google myself randomly, and it's always thumbnails of like you and me in my old house, like a year out of the Marine Corps. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I can't believe you let me grow that beard and come on Creative Live with you. <laughs> that was awesome, dude. I was like, what? And then I found the video the other day of me handstand walking down the table and Allison right. being like, oh my God, oh my God. And for those of you wondering, I'm not going to post a video. It's such bad quality because phones were not really good back then. That's how long Abel and I have known each other. But we were at Creative Live, and I, out of nowhere, we finished our session. I was like, I want to handstand walk down the dining room table in their cafeteria. And there were lights. And so I was walking, and I do a split around the lights. And Allison, his Allison, his wife was laughing. Oh, that was good, man. That was good. That was great. Oh, the good memories. I keep trying. I have that picture somewhere, the one of you and me on set, and I keep trying to find it because it's the only documented picture of me with a beard. It's the only one. No way. It's the only one. Yeah. I had no idea. And so people are like, oh, if you come across it, text it to me because people are like, no, you didn't. And I was like, oh, when I moved. Man, it was a solid beard too. That was for you, George. That thing was legit. Like I can (laughs) grow one. I don't want to. Like right now I'm long. Because I was like trying this for a week. Lindsay's like, I like the stubble. I'm like, this is new. And then she's like, too much. Get rid of it. I'm like, all right, I'll get rid of it. <laughs> so I have one last question and I love this question. So uh, I need you to envision that everybody listening from this point on didn't hear anything in the previous episode. Like they didn't hear anything. And you have this next moment, whether it's 10 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute to tattoo anything on their soul for them to take to their grave, to take all the way through their life. What would be your tattoo wisdom? You're driving. You are the one who's driving. So wake up every day, take those deep breaths, try to make some space for yourself and see what's uniquely you. And hopefully let that be the thing that that shows up in the world. And that can be serving other people. It doesn't have to be like a creative product that you create. It can be caring for a child or or a sick parent or in, in so many ways you can show up and do what you're meant to do. But ask yourself, what are you meant to do? And then show up and do that. And you're going to have to do that and, and take that step back many times over the course of your life. Mm-hmm. So get used to it and build it into your practice. Oh, I love that one. That is a good one. It reminds me, I'll introduce you to Will, Will Evans. He has a song called The Darkness. And so when the darkness takes over, you have to grab the wheel and drive. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I watched his episode on your show. I really oh, dude, he, I want to introduce him. You two will absolutely jam. And I feel like even more because like, he plays like that drum thing and he does that like long, what that thing, didgeridoo, didgeridoo yeah. and the guitar <laughs> and he writes. And I was like, you two will just jam. And he's so much fun. I'll introduce you guys. I have to. So I, cool. love, that. I would love that. So remember you're driving, you are driving. So Abel, just gratitude for being here, for sharing this time with me, for us, for all of this. Like so thank you too. so much for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. You stick around for a minute, and I'm going to wrap it. So, guys, this is another level of crazy into my brain with the people that helped me get to this point. And I'm actually really giddy right now. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to implement what was in this show. Go create space. Have a creative process. Make sure that you're aligning yourself to the people and the content that you're consuming so you are programming yourself to win But more than anything, remember to love, remember to find purpose in everything you do, and remember to subscribe so you can catch next week's episodes. This has been another episode of the Mind of George Show. I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, it's time to cue that beautiful outro.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.